Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, let's turn to Psalm 113, Psalm 113. And uh, this is the first Psalm uh, of six in a row. Psalms 113 to 118 are known as the Hallel Psalms. And um, these were all songs that were sung by God's people during the Old Testament times at their great festivals. Things like Passover. I know you ladies are about to start a Bible study on the the feasts. And um, so they would have sung these songs at these feasts. Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Pentecost, and even on other special holy days. Uh, At Passover, for example, before the meal, they would sing, each family would get together and they would sing Psalm 113, 114. Then after the meal, they would sing uh, the other four psalms here in this set. And this is not just a fun history fact. Um, Understanding this helps us understand the truth that God reveals to us in these six songs. Um, They're all our calls to praise the Lord. All of them are uh, calls for you and I to worship God from a heart that's full of wonder for all of his great grace and goodness to us. You know, we use that word, I think, too, um, I think too much. And it loses, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, awesome was a word to say. When you thought something was cool or you were pleased with something, you say awesome. And then when you use the same term for God, it kind of loses significance, doesn't it? Um, like I'd say these tacos are awesome. And then to say God is awesome doesn't really make sense. Um, I came in here tonight with a new polo shirt on and Scott Bell said, what's with the W? And I said, it's for Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers, right? I said, or it could stand for what a wonderful guy, right? But uh, that's a good example because uh, when, when God talks about, um, that's the name of Jesus, isn't it? You remember Handel's Messiah? He shall be called wonderful, comma, counselor, comma. Mighty God. So it's talking about Jesus. And what does that mean? Wonderful. It means full of wonder. And our worship is to be uh, full of wonder. Uh, we should have hearts that are full of wonder at God's great grace and goodness to us. Let's read uh, Psalm 113. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. What we just sang, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. And the Lord's high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house 
and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for the short little song you've given us here. The first one um, that you had your people sing at a very special, important times as they express their faith in you. And I pray that tonight um, our study of this and even more so our response of it to it, uh, Lord, that it would be an expression of our faith in you and our, our hearts full of wonder at your great grace and goodness to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at verse 1 here, it launches this song the same way that the previous two did. Uh, it says, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the Hebrew word for those four English words. Uh, and then it says, praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Who is that? Who is uh, the servant of the Lord? Are you a servant of the Lord? Yeah, I hope so. Um, here's a command to praise the Lord for you and for me, for every person that's been saved by God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. And then verse 1 closes uh, by telling us to praise the name of the Lord. Now, I think we have done that already tonight. One of the lyric phrases we sang just a moment ago in Revelation song was filled with wonder, filled with awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. And so, Jesus, your, your name is power, it's breath, and it's living water. Is there power in the name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. There is, yeah. Uh, and so whenever we come across this concept in God's Word uh, of the name of God or the name of Jesus or praising the name of the Lord, we're called to bless His name in verse 2. We're, we're told again uh, to praise the Lord's name in verse 3. Whenever we come across that in the Bible, uh, here's what it means. Uh, his name is representative of all of God's character, all the different things we know about him because he has revealed that to us in his word. All of God's conduct to us, all his works to us. It's like a short way of saying uh, that you and I, having a heart that's full of wonder at who God is and what he's done for us, we are to praise him for everything that he's revealed himself to be for us and everything he's done for us. Now, that could take a while, couldn't it? Yeah. If we would really do that, it could, and it should, and it does. And that's why in verses 2 and 3, God tells us how we're to praise him. Verse 1, we have a command to praise. But in verses 2 and 3, we're reminded of what should be true in our lives, the context of praise. Here's the when and the where of praise. Verse 2 deals with how we are to praise God in regard to time. When is it time to praise God out of a heart that's full of wonder at who he is and what he's done? All the time, right? All the time. It says, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So that's all the time. Let's see if we're awake right now. God is good. Hey, there you go. Boy, you were fast on that all the time. Yeah, and so if that's true, and it is true, when should we offer wonderful praise to the Lord? All the time. All the time. It's always a good time to praise the Lord. We can't do anything about the past other than confess our probable lack of uh, wonderful praise to God. We can do something about the present and the future. It says, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and then forevermore. Now, we're going to sing in the future. We got about seven more verses to go through here. And then we'll sing again together. Um, and we're going to sing in the distant future, too, when we're in glory. We're going to sing in the forevermore, as it says here. There's an old Southern Gospel song. I love the lyrics. Uh, it says, someday this stammering tongue will falter no more. Grander, sweeter song I'll sing. For I'll join the ransom choir on heaven's bright shore forever to praise the King. While the ages roll, eternity, forevermore. 
I'll keep on praising him. My voice will never tire. I'll never grow old. My song will ever be praise the lamb who died for me. And I'll sing that while ages shall roll. That's what we'll be doing. That's a forevermore. What about right now? As it said, from this time forth, forevermore. Can we pause here in verse 2 for a moment? Can we, can we do what God asks us to do here together tonight? Will you join me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. <laughs> We're doing what God told us to from this time forth and forevermore. Um, verse 2 is about time, about the when we are to praise the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. I think verse 3 is about the where, uh, but before we get there, let me say this. Um, God is not telling you that, that singing 24-7 from this time forth and forevermore uh, is what you need to do. You're not to walk around singing all the time. Now, your praise can be expressed that way. There's nothing wrong with that. That can be hard to do, though. How, how else can we praise God from a heart full of wonder from this time forth and forevermore? How else can we do that? By our lives, yeah. By, by what we do. And we've said it before. Singing's not the only way. Um, when we live a song of praise, that's a song that doesn't ever end. Uh, when those doors open and it's time to go home, that song keeps on continuing. God loves lips that praise the Lord, uh, but really only from lives that praise the Lord too. Amen. Yeah, that's what he wants. Uh, verse 3 says, From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Well, that sounds like time again, kind of, doesn't it? Maybe. But what direction does the sun always rise from, no matter where you are on earth? And what direction does it always set in? Yeah, west. And so God addressed the when to praise the Lord in verse 2. And here in verse 3, I believe he's telling us where to praise the Lord. Where are we to praise the Lord? Everywhere, <laughs> from, from east uh, to west, from north to south. Praise should not be restricted uh, to this building. It shouldn't be restricted to certain places at certain times. It should be all the time, everywhere. That's how a heart that's really full of wonder at who God is and what he's done for us, that's how that heart will praise the Lord. Now, uh, there's nothing wrong with you breaking out in how great thou art in the break room at work. You might get a few strange looks, um, but that would be an all-time everywhere scenario, but even better would be a consistent life of praise, a consistent obedience to the Lord all the time, everywhere. And that is something for people like me that we can still do. Even those of us who have stammering tongues and can't carry a tune in the bucket, we can praise God that way everywhere all the time. We can obey what God's told us to do here in Psalm 113. Now, um, just like every other psalm where it begins with a command to praise the Lord, like we have here, God never leaves us without content. Uh, he always gives us reasons that we should praise him. And that's what we've got in verses 4 through 9. We've got causes uh, for praise. Verse 4, it reminds us that our God is high uh, above the heavens, above the nations. All right, High above all nations and his glory is above the heavens. You know, um, apart from... The events on September 11th, 2001, most of us who are alive here tonight, we, we have not lived through a time where we are under attack here in this nation from another nation. 
But, but isn't it a blessing that whenever you hear of wars and rumors of wars, maybe on the news or something like that, isn't it a blessing you can rest assured that your God is high above the nations? Amen. And, and since that's true, uh, since God is sovereign and he's in control of that, uh, if things are never falling apart, they're just falling into place according to his plan, then can't we also rest assured that he's sovereign and in control of what might be less powerful threats uh, to us? We can, and that's a cause for praise. We should praise the Lord in response to this fact. He's, he's high above all the nations. And that's kind of the idea in verse 5. We're, we're, we're reminded that there's no one more powerful than God. There's no one like God. That's the question there. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high? What's the answer? Yeah, no one. The answer is in the no answer to that question there in, in verse 5. No one. There's no one. There's nothing that is like our God. And it's important for us to really meditate on this. And I don't just mean right here, right now, tonight. I mean, really, every day. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he once said, and man, this has stuck with me. He said, uh, what comes to your mind when you think about God, that's the most important thing about you. The most important thing about you. Uh, Because it can make or break you. It really can. Um, not knowing about God, that's going to leave you hopeless. It is. Um, knowing who he is, knowing what he has done, knowing what he's promised, you're going to be hopeful. You're going to be hopeful. Tozer also said this, our worship, because that's what the song's about, our worship is going to be as pure, what God wants, or it's going to be as base, not really what God wants, maybe what we want, um, as however you and I entertain high or low thoughts of God. You can't really worship God the way he wants if you don't know him very well. Uh, you show me some professing Christian who, who's unable to live in victory uh, over sin. You show me somebody whose life is dominated by fear. Uh, show me someone whose heart is set on the things of this world. Listen, that is an individual who does not know the Lord that they profess to follow very well. It's a simple truth. Verse 5 reminds us, who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? No one. Let me give you a couple of examples. Is anyone else, is anything else self-existent? No. And that means everything else is creation. And he alone is the creator. And when you know the creator, you don't need to fear the creation. You don't need to serve the creation. Is anyone else, is anything else self-sufficient? No. And that means that the one who has everything and the one who owns everything and the one who doesn't need anything, he's worthy of my faith that he's going to supply everything that I need. Is anyone else, is anything else immutable, unchanging? No. And boy, what a relief it is that the one we follow and the one who loved us so much that he gave his life for us in a world that's constantly changing, what a blessedness, what a peace is mine that you can lean on those everlasting arms. They're everlasting. They don't change. There's no one like him. That's the answer to verse 5's question. And we could preach a million sermons uh, on all the truth that verse 5 implies to us and to our situations. In, in short, we could boil it down to this. I don't know if you realize this or not, but, but all of our problems and all of our solutions, 
They're theological. Don't get scared about that word. World. You know what theology means? The study of God. <laughs> all of our problems in this life and all the solutions to those problems are theological. Um, at a root level, they really are. Do we know him? Do we know him? All of our problems are either a result of not knowing him, or at least they're affected by you and I not knowing him as good as we should. And all of our solutions, all of our comforts, all of the blessings that come our way, they come our way by knowing him and then trusting him more and more and more. No one's like him. He's high above the heavens, it says. And I hope your heart is filled with wonder at what he tells uh, us about himself now in verses 6 through 9 because he gives us specific uh, examples. See, see this high above the heavens God who's totally unlike uh, anything or anyone else. He did this. Verse 6, he humbles himself to behold things that are in heaven and things that are in earth. This refers to God's condescension, that this God who's high above the heavens, he stoops down uh, to send mercy and grace and love our way to all those who will turn to him. And he gives us two examples here, just two, uh, in this short song uh, of God's great grace being sent our way. It says he raises up the poor out of the dust, and he lifts the needy out of the dunghill, it says in the King James, out of the ash heap, um, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. Now, do we have examples of God doing what those verses talk about here uh, in Scripture? Oh, somebody gave me one. I didn't have. What was it? Joseph? Yeah, he did do that. I think of King David. You know, after the disaster that King Saul was, God said, the next king is going to be a man after my own choosing. We, we call that a man after God's own heart. Did God tell Samuel to pick Eliab when he went to Jesse's house? That was the firstborn. No. I mean, that was Samuel's choice. Samuel said, surely he, this must be the Lord's anointed. And God said, now, I don't, don't look on the outward appearance, buddy. God looks at the heart. And son after son went by without the Lord telling Samuel he's the one. And then Jesse told Samuel, there remaineth yet the youngest. He's out taking care of the sheep. And God took King David and took a while, but he raised him up to be a king, to be a man after his own choosing, to be a man after his own heart. Our God raises up the poor out of the dust and he lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may sit him with princes, with the princes of God's people. In the New Testament, I think back to Jesus' parable of the beggar Lazarus, and the rich man. One of them lived life on earth here begging in the dust. That's what his life was. Um, the other lived life in the lap of luxury, loving the things of this world. Lazarus was lifted out of that ash heap, and for the rest of eternity, he sits with the princes of God's people. That's God's grace. And it's a cause for us to praise him. And the other example God gives us in, in verse 9, he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Do we got any examples of that happening in scripture? Yeah. There's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, Hannah. And there's no superscript in this psalm. Some of them are like that. Often they'll tell us who the human author is and maybe the context or the tune or something like that. Um, we're not. Some think it was David and he would have fit the example in verses 7 and 8 of being raised up onto the ash heap. Others think this song was written by Samuel. Because of, of this verse here. He'd been a perfect example of someone who's experienced what God says in verse 9. And we could go backwards in the Bible from Hannah all the way to 
Abraham's wife, right? Sarah. And we could go uh, to Samson's mother in Judges 13. We go forward to uh, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. And God did this again. Here's the point. This God who, who is unlike anyone else, he's unlike anything else. This God who's high uh, above the heavens in his great love for us, he stoops down and he floods us with mercy and grace. We don't get what we deserve and we get what we don't deserve. And that's reason for praise. You know, centuries after whoever wrote this psalm, centuries after he put that period at the end of verse 9, um, we got the greatest example of verse 6, of a God who, uh, who humbles himself. The greatest example. Because uh, our God, he does so much more than behold, like it says in verse 6. He does so much more than, than look on us and know what we're going through and pity us. He acts, doesn't he? I mean, uh, he sent down his son, Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it describes this greatest grace of God to us. Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant, and he came in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, also that we might be saved. There's another hymn. It talks about that. Out of the ivory palaces into a world of woe. Only his great eternal love made my Savior go. That's a cause for praise, is it? Amen. Yeah. Is your heart full of wonder tonight? I mean, it's the middle of the week. We all were working and probably eating dinner and hearing the news or get stressed out. Is your heart full of wonder tonight? Because God's given us some causes tonight for a to-be. And when our heart fully recognizes the great grace and goodness of God to us, well, then our worship will be full of wonder too. And that's why he wrote Psalm 113 to you and to me. That's why he gave us these reasons for praise. I don't know every part of your current life situation tonight. I know this world is full of woe. <laughs> Jesus said that it would be. But I also know this, what you said earlier, that God is good. And he's good all the time. And that he's gracious. And I know this, that in his great love for you, he sent Jesus Christ to destroy the penalty of, of death that hung over our heads. He did sent Jesus to destroy the power of sin that bound our lives. And regardless of whatever else might be beating against us, that reality right there should be more than enough to fill our hearts with wonder so that we can give him wonderful worship. Let's give him what he deserves all the time, everywhere. But beginning right here tonight, Tommy, praise team, would you come up and...